Rock and roll? Teachers, are you ready to rock and roll? All right, that way, Jay, you guys can head on out. Um, Well, just a few things before we really kind of kick it, get into the Word tonight. Um, uh, there's a few announcements. We have a couple things kind of coming up uh, in terms of wave announcements. We have um, a lot this month. We have uh, the BCM dinner on January 23rd. So what we do is we, uh, we all bring um, a pot of soup or things that go with soup, uh, crackers and uh, bread. Uh, if you want, and we sign up on the bulletin board. Uh, our goal is to feed 250 uh, college students. Uh, those of you who are, are, are unfamiliar with that, the BCM ministry, Baptist Collegiate Ministry, uh, gathers students every Thursday night, and uh, they provide free food for them by churches in the area. So we're, we're providing the, the meal uh, this um, uh, on, the, on the 23rd. So make sure that you are aware of that. We have a women's ministry kickoff event on Friday, January 24th. Uh, we have got a lot of exciting things kind of happening among the women's ministry, so I encourage you to kind of come and, and check that out and learn more how you can get involved. Uh, we have a, a new members lunch on uh, January um, uh, 26, uh, and that's going to be uh, right after the service. So come, and uh, if, you, if you're interested in joining the church or uh, if you're a member and have yet not gone through that, we'd love to have you there uh, for that uh, uh, class. And we also have our systematic, systematic theology class on January uh, 26th at 4 p.m. Uh, that's, uh, we're going to be going over the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. So uh, if you'd like to learn more about that, you can just come and listen and engage. Uh, but we are going to be going over the chapter in the book, uh, The Theology of the Church. So if you want to know more about that, please uh, just come talk to me. Um, uh, well, if you have your copy of God's Word, will you just please uh, turn to um, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, those of you who uh, typically come on Wednesday night, we've been kind of going through the book of Ephesians, and Lord willing, we'll be uh, in this book for our next little bit. Um, so we'll kind of do a little bit of review tonight, uh, and then um, kind of focus on just a couple verses. So Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 11. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision which is made in flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments and expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace and, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to those who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him he, we have both have access, both have access to one, in one spirit to the Father. So then... You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. 
In him you also were built together into a dwelling place for God by the Holy Spirit. Father, now as we open your word, we pray that you would just speak to us uh, with wisdom and grace. Uh, we pray that your, our hearts would be softened uh, to, to receive your word. Uh, we pray that through this word you would encourage the saints and call those who are living in contrary way to you, to, to yourself. Uh, we ask for your, your, your spirit to guide this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So just a quick recap of the book of Ephesians. Ephesians was written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, it's one of the, the prison epistles. He is in prison writing to the, the, the church of Ephesus. Uh, the first chapter really is kind of a theological treatise on the Father, Son, and Spirit. You see this great uh, long uh, sentence in chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. Then he kind of has this thanksgiving and prayer, really trying to have his prayer, what he wants for the, the people of Ephesus. So if you are a parent or you are discipling anybody or if you have to know what to pray for your for your church, this is a great prayer for that you would want to pray for others, that our eyes would, of our hearts would be enlightened, that we may know the hope to which we were called, the riches of the glorious inheritance in the saints, the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. Just thinking about what God has done for us in Christ. Well, chapter two begins with the great discourse of salvation. We were all uh, children of wrath, uh, in, our, in our flesh, all of us born in sin have done sinful things and have been uh, at enmity with God, really at war with God. So our main problem was God and us. Our main problem was not with the evil in this world or not with uh, evil, really, really even the evil inside us, but our problem was that we loved evil and that God was against us for it. And we see there in verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So we know that we come together tonight because we have been saved by his grace. It is not because of any good things that we have done. Um, that song we sang this past Sunday, no, no um, recitation of the truth, no uh, uh, giving of God's, uh, to, God's, God, to God's glory, no uh, serving would, would attain salvation. No, we are sinners dead in our trespasses, and God has to come and make us alive in him. And then you, he kind of turns from this salvation and shows that we are now his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we might walk in them. And then one of the good works that he talks about is the church, how God is going to take people from every tribe, tongue, people, and, and language and come and bring them together as the church. Primarily, what he's talking about here is Jews and Gentiles. That was the big divide of the day. And you'll kind of see this even here. So in chapter 11, he talks about those who are uh, Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by the, by the circumcision. They, they were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope without God in the world. So if you were not raised um, uh, Jewish, not raised in, in a, among Judaism, that would be you. You would be an alien to the commonwealth of Israel, covenant of the promise, and having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, verse 13 you were once who were far off have been brought near through the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. So that I said last time I preached, this is one of the reasons uh, that I think this passage is one of the most important for the church today, is because what the world needs to see is a unified body. It needs to see people who are, who are different and have no logical reason to be together, to be together in in, in, one, in Christ, in one body, loving each other as a family. Because people can explain away our doctrine. They could say, I don't believe what you're saying. 
but they can't explain away what they see. They can't explain away a group of people gathering together. So on Sunday, I was talking about John uh, and how John was written so that you, these, these were written, these signs were written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing you may have life in his name, John 20, 30, and 31. And one of the signs that, that, I, that, I, that I think I made an appeal to those who were maybe, maybe non-Christians was, what do you, how do you make sense of Christians worshiping the Lord throughout time and um, throughout uh, this world, all bowing down to the same Lord? And I said, what about, what, have you looked at the apostles, the evidence and the signs of the apostles' life being transformed? Well, what are the signs that you could give people? How does this make sense? How does it make sense where people who are so different, yet we're one in Christ? We're willing to lay down our lives and sacrifice for one another. Well, that's a, that's a picture of, of the gospel in reality. Uh, my old pastor, Mark Dever, would, would say that the church is the gospel made visible. It's a visible picture of, of, uh, of the gospel. Well, um, tonight, what I want to see is really kind of jump down to verse 17. 17 and 18 is kind of where we left off last time. So in verse 17, it says, he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Let's just kind of walk through these verses really, really quickly. Uh, first, that he preached peace. So look at verse 17. He says that he came. Never forget that. I know we just kind of got done with Christmas, and I know many of you are kind of like, I'm done with Christmas <laughs> because of the busyness and uh, all, maybe all the cookies that you ate. I mean, there's times that you kind of want to move past the holidays and kind of get your life back in order, but never forget the reason of Christmas that he came. He came. He came to you when you were dead in your trespasses and sins. He came to you when you were in rebellion. He came to you when you were loving this world more than him. He came to you. He came for us. That's a beautiful thing. And if Jesus Christ came for us, what should we now do to the world? We should go. At the end of the Gospel of John, the Lord Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, now I send you into the world. Jesus Christ came to save us, to send us. So I pray that we would follow suit. This is profound. I mean, think about the relationships in your life that may be most challenging. The most natural thing in, 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 our, in our flesh is when people uh, hurt us, uh, when people uh, may uh, maybe ridicule us or neglect us. What is the most natural thing in our flesh to do is to go away, is to retreat. Well, Jesus came to you when you were pulling away from him. I pray that if you have people in your life who are pulling away or maybe people in this body, I pray that we would go to them. It said that he preached peace. This peace is shalom or completeness. Remember, our problem is we are at war with God. We are at war with God because in our, in our flesh, in our sin, we love this world more than we love God. So God has a problem with us is because we love sin more than Him. I remember hearing a, um, a sermon by John Piper talking about uh, the fear of God. And he says he was visiting a member at his church and uh, he was there at, in the house, and the family had this uh, a big dog, and uh, he told his son, hey, why don't you run out to my car and get something for me? And as soon as the son turned and started running towards the car, uh, the dog jumped up and started barking and growling. As soon as he, he, they said, stop. So he stopped, he turned around, and the dog stopped barking. He turned around and started going back towards the car. The dog started barking again. 
and, 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 and Piper realized that's a great picture of the fear of God. Because when we're facing God, when we're living for Him and we're running to Him, He is pleased. He has joy. But when we turn our back on Him, there is wrath there, right? And then without Christ, all of us have turned away and have wrath faced towards us. And what Christ did, God took the, um, Jesus took the wrath of God away from us. The Bible calls this propitiation, that He absorbed the wrath of God and then turned it away from us. Not only turned it away from us, but turned it to joy. So now, in Christ, when God sees us, He doesn't see our sin. He's not angry at us. He sees us through the blood of Christ. He sees us as His children, adopted, blood-bought, sealed, until we see Him in glory. That is a beautiful thing, beloved. That's the peace in which we preach. There's this whole completeness. If you go through a just a cursory look at the New Testament and think about the peace that God makes. Peace is always through the shedding of, of blood. It goes back from Genesis all the way to Revelation. But he preaches to two groups here. He, he preaches to those who are far off and peace to those who are near. Well, who are those who are far off? Well, those would be Gentiles. Those would be those who have not raised in, in, under the, the covenant of the promise. Um, those would just be outright sinners. And we think about how many people in our, in our lives that we know are just outright sinners who you look at and you're like, I don't know if you can be saved. And maybe you just turn on the TV and you can see that broadcasted to you or on, on social media, uh, but you also have people in your own lives that sometimes people you may not want to associate with or, or be around, uh, but Jesus was called what? A friend of sinners. Why? Because he was around sinners. He wasn't living like sinners. We never want to do that. But he was around them. Why? Because he came to preach peace. That if you turn from your sins and trust in me, you will have peace with God. Your sins will be forgiven. I will cast your sins as far as the east is from the west. My mercy is greater than your sin. That's the peace that I want to preach to you. And I would just encourage us that we should preach that peace to those who are far off. You know, I think sometimes we, we, we kind of, you know, and, I, and I'm, I'm probably guilty of this too. I mean, most of my time I'm spent around, is spent around other, other believers. You know, I'm kind of in many ways as a pastor removed off the front line so I could shepherd the flock here. And you are the ones who are going week in and week out, entering in the world with people who don't know God, that they're sinners. This is one of the reasons during this time regularly we, we ask the question, who did you share the gospel with? I could easily ask, who did you preach peace to? Because Jesus preached peace when he came to those who are far off so they could be brought near through the blood of Christ. I pray that we would do the same. But not only those who are far off, but he preached to those who were, who were near. Who, who was near? They're, they're the Israelites. And, and when you look at the Israelites in, in the Bible, specifically the New Testament, when you see all the Pharisees, uh, what do you see? You see a lot of people who are close to the truth, but they miss it. It's like they're, they're, they're right there, and they, they're, they're staring at it, but they can't see it. You ever have one of those pictures where someone tries to say, hey, look at this picture, tell me what you see. You see the bird, and you're like, I don't see the bird. Look closer. I don't see the bird. Like, close your eyes, three, blink three times and see the bird. No, I don't see the bird. Well, I think that's, that's kind of like the Israelites. The Israelites were right there. The truth was right in front of them, and they couldn't see it. Well, Why? Well, because they had missed expectations. A lot of John's gospel that I've been kind of reading through is about Jesus kind of undoing the expectations that the, the Jewish people had. Right? Remember, he came to his own, but his own did not receive him because they, they weren't ready for a, a Messiah who was going to, to suffer. Um, 
in the, in, the, in the New Testament, most of the time when you look at the Jews, they are self-righteous. They trusted in their own righteousness, right? They said that they had, their, their outsides were clean, but their insides were not. They were self-deceived. You know, that's probably the number one way we are, de- we are deceived. It's not deceived of others, it's self-deceived. Just do a search in your, in your search engine of your electronic Bible and look, do not be deceived. And just see how often it happens. Why is it said so much? Because we are so easily deceived. This is why you need godly people in your life, brothers and sisters, to, to point in and press in so that you can come awake of your deception. But we are called to preach peace. Why? So that we can get to God. So we can have access to the Father. Look what it says. We preach those peace to those who are near, peace to those who are, who are far. Four, verse 18, the purpose, through Him, through Jesus, we both, those who are far off and those who are near, have access in one spirit to the Father. So there's only one way to God. The only way to God is through the Son, Jesus Christ. And unless we preach that, people who are far off or people who are near will never get there. There may be people in this gathering tonight who may be near in the sense that you're close to hearing regularly the things of God, and yet you still may not know Christ. There may be some of you here who are far off, and and you know it, the way you're living and the way that that you're thinking. And Christ is saying, come, let me show you peace. Because the only way that you can have access to God is through peace that Jesus Christ offers through the shedding of his own blood and by the sending of his spirit. He died, he rose again. Why? So that he could send you the spirit of God so that you, by one spirit, can have access to the Father. That's the whole reason why we, we exist as a church. And what, what, what would the world think if a group of people who were far off or near rich or poor, black and white, Republican and Democrat, came in to one body and loved each other as a family. People would say, I may not believe in your doctrine, but I cannot deny your love. Tell me more of this, Jesus. Father, I pray that there would be many who are far off, and many who are near, who would say, because of our body here, tell me of the peace that Jesus offers. I pray that you would give peace to those of us here, that you'd remind us again tonight that we are saved not by the righteous works we do, but through the blood of Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.